What's up, everybody? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Wednesday, July 8th, 2020. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the Rogue One at Gary Witta. Good morning. How are you? I'm good, Gary. How are you? I'm good. I'm happy to be here, as always. Yeah, yeah I'm happy to have you, as always. You know what I mean? Aww. Now, here's what I want to compliment you on. Oh, yeah? Obviously. I like that. I like we're off to a good start. I like it. Snappy Dresser. Great podcast to co-host. You know, animal uh, talking, dynamite show everybody should watch. It's all happening. You are one of these people who got the new microphone from Elgato, right? They sent you this yeah, brand you, new microphone. The Wave 3. I really like it. I'm glad you love it. I'm glad everybody loves it. I did a podcast yesterday with Andy Cortez. And about yeah, because he, he has one too, right? At about 15 times in the show, he would mute, tap the top of it and mute himself. Yeah, it's got, like this, a little goddamn it's got clown. this little capacitive button right here. And yeah. it's touch the capacitor. You know, all you need to do is like touch it. Yeah. And so, but I, you know, if you just, I mean, why is he touching the mic? Just keep your exactly. goddamn hands off of it. Gary Wood is a professional podcaster, a professional Twitch streamer. Andy Cortez yeah. is clown shoes. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to say I that. Mean, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. It is it's a nice those, mic though. I do like it. Oh, sure. The mic seems great. It's one of those, yeah. you don't know what you got till it's gone kind of thing. You know what I mean? Where I was like, oh, sure. I, I take it for granted that everybody's as professional as Gary Wood. And then I do one show with Andy and I'm like, geez, Louise. No, you I can't, can't take anything like that for granted. I know, I know. I mean, you th- uh, I mean and- Andy is a pretty, I mean, he's got a good Twitch. You'd think he would have the basics down by now, wouldn't you? You'd think so. Twitch.tv slash Andy Cortez. All he does is talk about it. I'm pretty sure he isn't uses it, company time Ma- to work on it, it. Isn't it Maximum Cortez? No, no, he changed that, I think. Oh, he changed it? Okay. Yeah, because yeah, that makes more sense. I think he's still Maximum Cortez on Twitter. But right, his it. Twitch channel is officially Andy Cortez. That way it's easier okay. to do it. I think he's trying to get away from Maximum Cortez, which of course was his Luce Libre name when he wrestled oh, back in far I, okay. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you can go this route. What? You Andy was I mean? an amateur professional wrestler. We know it well. Maximum Cortez. All right. Double down. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing offensive about that. Uh, instead, let's talk about some video game news, like Xbox saying publishers can't charge for next-gen up, uh, upgrades. Uh, you can make money in core and call and Call of Duty Modern Warfare removing a gesture because this is kind of funny. Games Daily. Each and every weekday on a variety of platforms, we run you through the nerdy video game news you need to know about. If you like that, be part of the show. Patreon.com/slash Kinda Funny Games. You can give us a few bucks, ask your questions, get the show ad-free, get the exclusive post show we do each and every weekday. Uh, that's all available on patreon.com slash games. You can even get your name read on the show like our Patreon producers, Mohammed Mohammed, a.k.a. Momo, and Blackjack. However, if you have no bucks to toss away, it's no big deal. You can go to twitch.tv slash games. You can watch us record the show live. You get the ads. You don't get the post show, but you have a good time talking to everybody. Plus... You have a special job. Go to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong and tell us what we screw up as we screw it up so we can set the record straight for everybody watching later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, roosterteeth.com, and listening on podcast services around the globe. Uh, Housekeeping for you. Uh, Every day this week, Andy's full playthrough of The Last of Us Part 2 is posting over on YouTube.com slash games at 3 p.m. That is going on through Sunday, so there's a lot of content for you to catch up on over there. Watch Andy play it. Uh, Gen 9, much like the people watching on Twitch.tv slash games right now as we record the show, uh, Gen 9 joined him for the first major section uh, and watched him on Twitch.tv slash Cortez, and it's a fun ride. I, I think you should go check it out. Andy, of course, very scared of games, so a fun, scary game for him to be playing. Uh, Gary, you finished The Last of Us Part Two, I think, since the last time you were on here, correct? Well, t- technically, I should say Leah finished it. She and I were playing it, quote-unquote, together, which is to quote, say quote. she had the controller, she was actually playing, and I would watch and basically kind of caddy for her. Like, shoot that guy. 
Don't sure. forget to reload. <laughs> she would always forget. So you're to like reload. the annoying tip screen. You're like the annoying. Yeah, tip screen. and I would, and occasionally when we needed to like refer to a walkthrough or whatever, like to get past a tricky part, I would like sure. I was on Google Google Duty and stuff like that. We only did that a few times, but like, yeah, we kind of you know we experienced the game together. Leah had the controller, um, but you know we both kind of went on the journey uh, together. Yeah, and we wrapped it up uh, this past weekend. And you, what did you think? I mean, I I loved it. I thought it was great. I have a I have a lot of thoughts both about the game and also why certain elements of the audience have had the sure. negative reaction to it that they've had. I mean, that, that if you ever want to do like a whole other show about that, I'll happily talk to you about it. But like, I we would totally go down a rabbit hole if if we started that conversation. I'll keep that in the back I'll back burner. Then that's always in the chamber. We have a slow news day. I'll just say, Gary, what do you think about people who hate The Last of Us? Then you can go off. I'll be more than happy to. Perfect. Um, on top of that, like I said, Andy's uh, playthrough, youtube.com slash kind of funny games. On top of that, remember, we are reacting to Ubisoft Forward. That is this Sunday at noon Pacific, twitch.tv slash kind of funny games to catch us live react to the actual presentation, which is basically their E3 presentation. Then when that's over, of course, we'll have a post show analysis on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games that will go up as a kind of funny games cast. And on top of that, as I've already confirmed this week, uh, myself and Barrett Courtney have been uh, on the internet, as they think I think they call it, uh, playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Watch Dogs Legion. After Ubisoft Forward, we will be able to post uh, our impressions of those as well. So a lot of Ubisoft content for you at the end of this week slash start of next week. Have a good time. Today, however, we're brought to you by Quip, uh, Klarna, and Hims. But I'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin the show with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. Time for some news. We have five of items on the Rover Report, Kevin. I invented a new way to say five there, and I'm pretty proud of myself. Kevin, I love you. You're doing a great job. Number one. Kevin's bringing a lot of energy to the show this morning. It's that thing where Kevin getting to stay home means he's around his beautiful wife his adorable puppy and food to keep his blood sugar high. Dude, that's so what, what, what keeps him life. in this good mood that he's in. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. He's like the best version of Kevin. That's true. Kevin, you're killing it. We love you. Keep crushing during quarantine. All right. Now he's, now he's disappeared. He's, he's fucking with me this morning. He's, he's like, a little, kid. Fucking he's like with a little kid. You know, you compliment him and you turn the attention to him. He gets, he gets shy. He <laughs> yeah. And then he gets all shy. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate it. It's just, you know, but keep him life busy, man. I went and did my taxes this morning. Now the Cecil. Oh, oh man, you're calling it down to the wire, out. huh? Oh yeah. You know how it is. <laughs> I'm usually the opposite. This is, was very scary for me, but here we go. Technically my accounts. When you've got, when you've got such a diverse portfolio as Kevin doing your taxes can be a real headache. That's true, actually. I don't know. You know, I don't know if you know this. Kevin is like uh, Wolf of Wall Street. He's got a lot of. I I didn't know this whole side of Kevin that he's this kind of like financial master. Yeah, but he is. He like plays the stock market. Like he's like he 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 keeps his ear to the ground. Like he's the guy to go to if you want financial advice. I've often thought about just giving Kevin a chunk of change and saying, "Invest this for me." Invest. But then I think about him running away with it, and I just wouldn't know what to do. And then yeah, I can't live with that. I can't because to to look at him. You would think he would this run away with your money and come back. Yeah, he would come back with some magic beans or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but in reality, mm-hmm. you know that he would like triple your money in in a month easily. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, he would find some way. He he yeah. he he he'd invest it in some cryptocurrency you've never heard of, but which is actually like the inside track on making making. But money. it's also that thing where Kevin just talks a lot about it. Like I, I haven't actually looked into his portfolio and seen his like profile and all this stuff. So he could just yeah. be talking a big game. Then he comes to you, me, you and me, Gary, and he's like, hey. I got a stock that can't lose. I need 10K from each of you, 
right? And then we give you it should, to him and we've never seen it. You should you should give Kevin you should play the pennies. You should give You should give Kevin if I, you to, if I wanted you to invest money for me right now, how much would you need from me? I don't, I, you know I don't feel comfortable investing other people's money. I've told that many times. Okay, so uh, if you 10K is the, the penny stocks, what do, you, what do you need from me? What would you – from anybody? Right now, King Franchise 88 from the Twitch chat walks in and says, I want to invest, Kevin. How much do I give you? I don't, I don't know. Maybe it depends on what, what, what kind of returns we're trying to see. Number one on the Roper Report, Xbox won't allow publishers to charge for next-gen upgrades. This is James Batchelor at GamesIndustry.biz. Microsoft has reportedly been telling developers and publishers they are not allowed to charge players who wish to upgrade from the Xbox One version of their games to the Xbox Series X. That's according to sources speaking to Video Games Chronicle, which reports Xbox is encouraging companies to offer free next-gen upgrades either via its smart delivery initiative or their own scheme. GamesIndustry.biz has heard similar reports as we discussed on the latest episode of our podcast. Smart delivery allows consumers to buy the game once and play it across both Xbox One and Xbox Series X with their saved data, achievements, and other information synced between the two versions. So far, 14 titles have confirmed, uh, I'm sorry, are, have been confirmed for smart delivery, including Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Cyberpunk 2077, and Halo Infinite. Meanwhile, EA has come up with its own dual entitlement scheme, uh, whereby players who purchase Madden NFL 21 on Xbox One or PS4 will receive a corresponding next-gen version for free, although this has to be claimed before Madden NFL 22 is released. Microsoft is also encouraging others such as is also encouraging other offers, such as, quote, cross-gen bundles, either physical or digital, where customers receive both versions of a game. This is the route 2K Games has taken, positioning the $100 version or bundle of NBA 2K21 for Xbox One and Xbox Series X as the Mamba Forever Edition. Games that do not use smart delivery will not be able to share certain saved data across generations. VGC reports that titles will not be able to add support for the scheme if they do not have it at launch. A Microsoft spokesperson told the site that, quote, developers and publishers ultimately decide how they deliver their games, and we work with them to provide the best possible experience based on their needs. Gary, I don't know your middle name, Witta. What is your take on this? Um, I think that this could be a lot simpler and better than it currently is i love smart delivery as you know i think that microsoft rather than encouraging or suggesting that publishers sign up for smart delivery they basically enforce it and say Mm -hmm. look if you're going to be on our platform if you want to publish on the xbox it's our platform we decide who publishes on this platform and who doesn't and if you're going to release an xbox one version and a series x version you have to you have to sign up for smart delivery and you know you have basically if someone uh, buys an Xbox One version of their game, and there's also of your game, and there's also a Series X version available, you must make that smart delivery free upgrade option available, or you can't publish on the platform. I think that would be a very very consumer friendly move. I think even the big publishers would have no choice but to toe the line, and either you know either either sign up for our for our plan, or you don't you don't publish on the Xbox. I think Microsoft would have the power to enforce that. I would love it. Right now, what we've got now is this kind of Wild West where it's going to be very confusing. Some games are going to have smart delivery. Some games are going to are going to uh, use this EA uh, scheme. And then you've got like the really money-grubbing approach, the 2K approach. I watched a Yong Yi video on this, and I thought it was outrageous what they're doing, where the only way to get that quote-unquote free upgrade 
is to buy the hundred dollar version of the game, which essentially and this you is are, the conversation. You are, you are already like halfway paying for that. Like they're calling this it free. We went but around, you're paying around for the next gen version. On, on the news, we went, yeah, with that of on Games Daily when that came up. And so when I read the headline, right, that uh, James over at Games Industry had of like, okay, cool. And even the intro, Microsoft has reportedly been telling developers and publishers they are not allowed to charge players who wish to upgrade from the Xbox One version of their games to Xbox Series X. I read that, saw the headline, and I thought, this is a direct relation to the NBA 2K21 nonsense, right? Of right, the base game, you can buy for you know uh, 60 bucks on PS4. You can buy it for 70 bucks on PlayStation 5. But if you want to have, or if you want this uh, Mamba edition for 100 bucks, that'll get you the thing where you can actually go back and forth with them. I thought this was a response to it, but it seems the GamesIndustry.biz article is saying this is the route 2K has, has taken, positioning the $100 bundle of NBA 2K21 for Xbox One and Xbox Series X as the Mamba Forever edition. So for me, I don't fully understand or buy like that 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 Microsoft is drawing this thing because again, the opening paragraph they are not allowed to charge players who wish to upgrade that's kind of what they're doing i guess technically they're not saying i have the playstation 4 or i'm sorry i have the xbox one version of uh nba 2k21 i want to get the other one so i'll pay this upgrade fee but you do have to buy the other copy of the game right like i feel like the mom the saying this the, oh giving them the option of the mamba forever edition is still making them pay for the upgradable version no yeah, like I mean, like, all, all all of these, and it's very confusing. Like every big major AAA game now comes in like five different versions, right? The base yeah. version, the gold version, the extreme version, and then like the fucking platinum sucker more money than sense version or whatever that comes with some ridiculous cheap piece of plastic and some other nonsense. Um, look, 2, 2K can get fucked anyway because what they're doing with their microtransactions and the gambling elements, I didn't know this, but I watched them because I don't play basketball games, but I watched what they're, I saw what they're doing. I think it was in another Young video actually, where like they actually, they, like they're actually, have, like they actually have like fucking casino style games inside a basketball game like trying to get kids to engage with you know the quote unquote surprise mechanics of great upgrading shit it's absolutely yeah. fucking outrageous i think that shit that shit should be banned that's a whole other conversation but yeah what they're you know i think i, I think every every company is going to try to get on board with um you know their, their own version of smart delivery but one which you know what appears consumer friendly on the outside but in fact is just another money grab and it's outrageous i again i think my, microsoft have to have the power to put a stop to this say look if you want to publish on the xbox one platform or sorry on the xbox platform there's there's already like a hundred different things that publishers have to stipulate to, to to be able to publish on microsoft's platform they have to agree to microsoft's terms one of those terms should be it must be compatible with our smart delivery terms and that and that's a consumer friendly move and it also um uh, uh gets rid of confusion it's like you you have this you have the safety of knowing that if a game publishes on the xbox on any on any version of it then you're going to get that smart delivery option because microsoft enforces it across the board if you leave it up to the publishers and they've all got their own versions that's just going to lead to more exploitation and more confusion on the part of the customer and i would much rather it be just straightforward and simple and like one rule, one rule applies across the entire xbox platform murph dad writes into patreon.com slash kind of funny games and says with the news that microsoft is encouraging third-party developers to provide free upgrades to their games do you think we'll see AAA companies adhering to this quote-unquote suggestion or do you think they'll be like 2K and offer discounted upgrades if they purchase a higher-priced uh, current-gen bundle initially in order to avoid paying for the standalone $69.99 next-gen version? Because, again, 
that is another chasm to talk about here and what they're talking about is like if you're if you know destiny 2 costs you 60 bucks here and then the destiny 2 enhanced playstation or actually i'm sorry rule of thumb there sorry xbox uh series x version of this right comes out and costs 70 dollars. they've already said that destiny 2 will work in this thing but like do you need to, do you not need xbox is saying you don't get to charge that 10 dollar upgrade fee so then the workaround yeah is that then they do these bundles and they do this weird thing like gary i think you hit the nail on the head especially for us right now on this side of all these announcements that it is the wild west and i think traditionally even though you we all like to believe that on uh, inside of microsoft and inside of playstation they have very clear rigorous guidelines they are giving to developers and publishers as to what uh next gen means and what next gen upgrades mean and how cross buy or smart delivery and all that works means usually from what i hear on the rumblings not about this at all but i mean in the past is they don't have that sewn up and it will be a thing where when all this gets announced that will be announced to a lot of people and they will then have to worry and figure it out how it actually shakes out and i think that 2k going forward and talking about the mamba edition and putting the next gen smart delivery whenever you want to call it call it behind that $100 price tag is weird and shitty right now and i think that when we get to what everything it means for everybody else it will be weird and shitty as well cuz i do think you're going to get to a point where this comes out and everybody all the cards are on the table and you look at what everybody else is doing and we'll know pretty quick who's doing it the right way and who's doing it the wrong way does that make sense yeah, I, like I said, and, this, I, 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 and I keep coming back to this 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 notion that Microsoft could has the power to end all of this and just say, mm-hmm. look, you're going to do it our way or go publish on someone else's platform. Go publish on the fucking Intellivision Amico. Good luck, you know, but you're not getting on our platform. Um, they have the power to do this. During the 360 generation, they stipulated that if you want to publish on our platform, you must have a, a game, you must provide a game demo. And everyone had to toe the line because, again, Microsoft owns it's they 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 can decide whether or not you have the permission to publish on their platform or not. So but they, here's they, the thing. They, like, they have the power you, to enforce this and do something that's really, really positive con- consumers, which is get rid of all the confusion. There's already enough confusion with all of these AAA releases. They release like eight different versions. You have to consult some kind of fucking Excel spreadsheet every time a game comes out saying. now. Well, so this version comes out on this day and this one has this feature, but not that feature. And you're going, OK, so this one has this, but not that like just. Keep it simple. Now, you say they have the power to do this. And I mean, legitimately, yes, technically they have the power to do this. But do you think they have the balls to do this? Because they, they're behind PlayStation this generation. They don't want to be behind PlayStation next generation. You make the joke of, all right, go you know, publish on the fucking Intellivision. I'm sure PlayStation would be like, no, come publish with us. Well, no, but, but, but what, what's, what's EA going to do? Not publish their games on the Xbox? They can't afford to not do that. So they would, you know, Microsoft holds all the cards. Of, 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 of course, EA is going to publish it. They, I guess EA could say, "Okay, we'll just publish." It's like it, it, you you could get into like an arms race where um, you know, there's all this brinksman, brinksmanship where EA would say, "Well, we just don't like those terms." Uh, for now, on EA is going to publish exclusively on PlayStation, but they would just be hurting themselves because they they need to public. The Xbox is a major platform, and they can't afford to not publish on it. If it if it came into like a dick measuring contest between EA and Microsoft, Microsoft would win. EA would have to would have to. Um, would have to agree to their terms. So Microsoft has the power here to stand up for consumers and say, hey, look, we we want do whatever you want on PlayStation. If you want the PlayStation to be the Wild West, fine. But over here, one of our selling points is you have the security of knowing that if you buy a game on one Xbox platform, it, you have it for all, all, all of the Xbox versions, Series X, Series S, Xbox One, you name it. Xbox you'll, Watch, you'll, yeah. You'll, yeah, you'll, you'll just get all of it. 
Um, I think this comes back to the conversation. They could make that happen. It comes back to when we were talking about the NBA 2K21 stuff and the outrage in quotes about, yeah, okay, next gen's locked or this next gen upgrade is locked behind this hundred dollar edition and yada, yada, yada. It was the same thing. I think even at Microsoft, it probably comes down to and what it comes down to it. 2K is some bean counter in a room, right? Sitting there and going like, yeah, we're gonna, if we announce this this way and we announce that, you know, next gen is $10 more. If we announce that you have to buy the hundred dollar edition to go between it, we are going to piss people off and they're going to write op-eds and they're going to write mean tweets and they're going to do all these different things. But we project this many people will actually buy it, which we project will actually make it more profitable than doing it the other way and giving you a free upgrade and da da da. So it all comes down to dollars and cents, like you're talking about, Gary, where it is the idea of, yeah, sure. I'm sure that same bean counter at 2K would look at it and go, like, well, if we wiped off Xbox from the board, we're going to be down this much money. So, of course, we have to publish there. So we have to figure this out. 2k is in my fucking bad books already greg because i i I didn't know about this because i don't really monitor like the sports game market like i play fifa and i I, you know i'll play the new golf game when it comes out but like nba basketball i don't play that shit um and so i i I wasn't really aware of what's going on but when i saw this video about the uh the gambling mechanic in nba 2k20 where you've literally like so imagine this scenario i've got my my kid wants to play like the new nba basketball game rated e for everyone Sure. Okay. Like I, you know, I want to be, I, I want to make sure that my kids playing games that are appropriate and I know enough about games to have a sense of like, if there's going to be something in there, I don't want my kid playing NBA E for everyone seems totally harmless. Go off and play it. And then like a week later, I walk into my kid's room and she's fucking spinning a roulette wheel to win shit and playing like Las Vegas style casino games. When I first saw it, I thought that was a fucking joke, but it's real. That's in the game. Is it in game money or is it? I I don't don't give a fuck. I don't care what it is. They're teaching kids to gamble. They're teaching kids to play Las Vegas casino games. Fuck off. That's completely unacceptable. And it should be much more strictly regulated. And I think it is real. I I think it's both. It's like in-game currency and real money. Yeah, fuck that shit. That's complete. That is so fucking malicious that I don't understand why. In, in the UK, they are clamping down on it. In the US, you can get away with anything apparently. But yeah, they they need to be clamping down on that shit because that is not cool. And this is a Yong Ye video you watched. Yeah, it was Yong. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying. I'm looking through trying to find. He it. did it. He did a video about how in the UK they are now starting to clamp down on this more because we have stricter rules there. This is from five um, days ago. UK UK House of Lords. Calls yeah, for yeah, yeah. But, he, but, he's, but he's been going on. A, Young Young has been like waging the war against microtransactions oh, yeah. and this kind of predatory behavior Forever. for a long time. And I'm 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 fully like Team Young on that one. I think Young sometimes like goes a bit over the top complaining about things, but like a lot of the time he's right on the money. And on this, I I couldn't agree more with him. When I when I first saw that fucking pachinko shit and the roulette wheel spinning in nba in an nba basketball game not only is that is that like you've got to shoehorn that shit in like how does that shit belong anywhere near a fucking nba basketball game but they put it in there because they know the psychology of gambling and addictive behavior will keep the kids coming back for more and you're again you're basically training kids to be las vegas casino gamblers at, at e for everyone like my kid's eight she could be playing that shit and, and I wouldn't, and as a parent, I would not have thought that that would be in that game because my God, that would, that, like, that would be some real evil genius shit. Like who would ever do that? Well, apparently 2k fucking would completely unacceptable. Yes. I haven't seen the video, but that sounds horrible. Of course. Um, somebody points out in the chat here that the wheel is free, but again, to your point, it doesn't matter. I don't if care if the, it is or yeah, not. Yeah, they yeah. shouldn't be playing roulette. Back to this Xbox thing. 
My hope would be that I'm with you, Gary. I want, I want, I hope they are putting their foot down behind closed doors. Because again, the lead paragraph is Microsoft has reportedly been telling developers and publishers they are not allowed to charge players who wish to upgrade from the Xbox One version of their games to Xbox Series X. The closing paragraph is a Microsoft a Microsoft spokesperson told the site, "quote Developers and publishers ultimately decide how they deliver their games, and we work with them to provide the best possible experience uh, based on their needs." End quote. So I'm hoping that it is behind closed doors. Like, no, you're not allowed to fucking charge for this. Like, smart delivery is this thing. Be right by the consumer. Of course, we go back and forth on this, uh, talking about this all the time. I really do think that for the most part, this is going to be something that matters in the first three to six months. And then we'll never think about this again because you're going to be excited to have your new box. You're going to be buying all your games on your new box. And I think the Look, amount they, of games that are carrying over from your old box are so is small. I just want to finish my, my, my thought on this. In, in, act, in the actual Las Vegas, they have stricter rules than this. Like, not only, if you're under 21, not only are you, are you not allowed... You can't be on the floor, right? Yeah, you can't even walk, let, let alone play the games. You can't even walk through the fucking casino. You can't take your kids uh, through the casino floor. That's, you're not, not allowed to do that shit. You can't even expose it to them because they know. They know it's dangerous. And when kids' brains are still young and spongy and making those connections... If you're teaching them basically addictive, compulsive gambling type behaviors, whether it's real money, fake money, I don't care. You should not be doing that shit. Number two on the Roper Report. Call of Duty Modern Warfare has removed the OK symbol. Uh, this is Wesley Yin Pool at Eurogamer. Uh, Infinity Ward has quietly removed the OK gesture from Call of Duty Modern Warfare and Warzone. Uh, the developer has yet to explain the decision, uh, and publisher Activision has so far failed to comment after Eurogamer got in touch last week. But it seems likely the gesture was pulled due to its status as a hate symbol. In Call of Duty Modern Warfare and Warzone, uh, you're able to assign hand gestures to your character for use out on the battlefield. The OK gesture, which was added to the game in early 2020, was used by some as a trick shot of sorts. Uh, the, player, the player character doing the OK sign with their left hand while firing their gun with their right. Call of Duty social media and subreddits would often carry clips of players doing the OK sign as they ended a multiplayer match or a game of Warzone with the final kill. But the OK sign is no longer in the game, pulled on the, qu pulled on the quiet by Infinity Ward as part of Modern Warfare's mid-season update and replaced by a new gesture called Crush. There is no mention of the change in the official patch notes, but of course, it didn't take players long to spot the difference. In September 2019, the Anti-Defamation League uh, added the OK sign to its list of hate symbols after it was found to be used by some as a sincere expression of white supremacy. Uh, its use in this context owes its origins to users on 4chan, who pretended there was a hidden meaning behind the OK sign in a bid to trick the media into a reaction. However, the, this ploy ended up with the OK sign's use uh, by the far right, and now many believe its meaning has changed. While Infinity Ward is yet to comment, the removal of Call of Duty's OK gesture probably has to do with the ongoing Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, the developer has issued strong statements in recent weeks, pledging to crack down on racism in Call of Duty Modern Warfare, and even inserting a Black Lives message into the game, or Black Lives Matter message into the game. Uh, this isn't the first time a video game industry has taken action over the OK sign. Back in April 2019, Blizzard reportedly uh, told a fan in the Overwatch uh, League arena they were not allowed to use the OK sign after it was spotted on a stream and a complaint was made. Gary, what are your reaction? I don't know, Greg. Aren't, I, I'm just exhausted. Aren't you fucking exhausted? Of course I'm exhausted. about this and cover this shit every week. Like Every week, there's some new fuckery you know, going on with like some outright idiots, like put a Nazi symbol in a game or done a white power symbol or like just every week, it's like playing whack-a-mole with these fucking idiots. And like, I guess, I guess we're just going to have to live. I mean, they're never going to completely, 
go away. I mean, the I mean, these people were like decisively, decisively defeated militarily, economically, uh, intellectually, spiritually, psychologically. Like seventy fucking years ago, we beat these fuckers, and they're still around like fucking cockroaches. They'll never completely go away, and so they we're just going to have to continue yeah. being exhausted and wasting our mental energy dealing with these fucks. And I, I I'm just tired of talking about it. You can't yeah. ignore it, but just talking about it is is, is exhausting. Well, that's the thing for me of just like the okay symbol. I hate that that got co-opted. Like, and but it's like here's the thing. I hate that that got co-opted, and now that it for some people means uh, this hate group or whatever. You know what I mean? It means uh, white power or whatever. That fucking sucks. However, uh, the systematic racism and the actual uh, proliferation of racists and bigots and people feeling they're okay to say this kind of shit out in the streets or in public or on video or whatever is way worse. So if it, if the Anti-Defamation League has decided that, yeah, hey, this has crossed the line and it is a sincere expression of white supremacy, it's time for me and everyone else who's like, no, I'm t- I, I, the okay symbol doesn't mean that, to let it go, right? Like, I mean... That's what we're about. That's what this has got to be about of trying to make this better. And if people are using it in this inappropriate sense to go out there and make their stance known that they think that even though they're the fucking morons that they're yeah, look, better, I that mean, they're racist, better. Get to, they, get they, they think they're being clever, but every we all know what's going on. It's and maybe the transparency is the point. Like they're nudge, nudge, wink, wink, going up. Oh no, it's just an okay sign. But they fucking know what they're doing, and they and they know that it aggravates people because we all can see through it. That's part of the point. That's how they're getting their lulls or whatever it is that they fucking do. But like, yeah, you you know, innocent, harmless, benign symbols get co-opted all the time. Fucking Pepe the Frog was a harmless thing until those assholes turned it into something else. The fucking Nazi swastika was was a harm was 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 it was a positive symbol of peace until Hitler came along and stole it and turned it into, you know, one of the most hateful symbols in the history of of, of human civilization. So like this shit gets co-opted and symbols uh and meanings of things evolve all the time. And, and we're seeing it again happening right now in real time. Yeah. So I think personally uh good on Call of Duty for taking it out. You know what I mean? They are the I the the whole thing happened when Black Lives Matter uh, popped off recently, right? And everything with George Floyd and everybody's you know putting out black squares on Instagram and uh, donating to causes. The conversation at that time from so many people, way more informed than me, were this is great, but what does it look like three weeks from now, three months from now, three years from now? And I think it is moves like this of like, admittedly saying like, I, now personally, I would love to see Call of Duty and Activision make a statement of like, hey. We understand probably to a large majority of you, the okay gesture is the okay gesture and it's just you making an okay sign. It is not too many other people. People are using it inappropriately. People are using it against thing. Again, put yourself into the shoes of somebody else who is is playing against somebody and sees that on the kill cam while they're screaming or, you know, or putting in chat horrible racist things. Like this is all about emp- empathy and this is all about trying to understand where the other side's coming from. And so, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, this isn't them taking away your fucking freedoms of taking away the okay everybody. And if they ban it, they'll just go find some other fucking symbol to co-opt. That's, that's the whack-a-mole of it. You'll never, yeah. like I said, it's like rats or like cockroaches. You'll never completely get rid of them. There's always going to be another one somewhere. Number three, more exciting news and uh, happier news, I guess. Uh, you can make money in core. I uh, remember, of course, ladies and gentlemen, we were, we're no longer, but we did a bunch of sponsored streams with core, uh, a game where you can make multiplayer games. So like when dream hit dreams hit, then core followed up uh, after that, where it was, you could go in and make uh, multiplayer games to play with other people instantaneously. We did a bunch of streams. They're all up on youtube.com slash kind of funny games. Also, of course, 
full disclosure that we did sponsor stuff with them. Not that this uh, would influence, I think, a cool program in general. So back to it. Uh, Manicore's mission is to disrupt creativity and game making in the same way that YouTube revolutionized video creation and Instagram forever changed photo sharing. Our platform, Core, is creating new types of game makers, new types of player experiences, and now new ways for game creators to make money and even build businesses. Starting today, creators can earn a living making successful games on Core through our $1 million million pilot program. We've been in alpha for just about four months and have been overwhelmed by the response and rapid growth of our creator community. We've reached the point that great new games launch every day. New creators are making beautiful games in very little time. We have old favorites joined by new twists. Uh, You can learn lessons about life, save a life, or run for your life. We have solo creators building a formidable catalog, as well as teams building sweeping experiences. With Core, anyone with a PC can jump in and make high-fidelity games faster than ever before for free. This has already made game creation radically more accessible. But it's not enough to just make game creation more accessible. Getting financially rewarded to make games should also be more accessible. And in order to build the right structure to disrupt the economics of game making, we are starting our payouts now. So then we go into Core Creators Payouts Pilot Program. We designed the Creator Payouts Pilot Program around one simple concept. The more people play your game, the more you should get paid. Each calendar month, creators in the program can receive $3 per, per average daily player. This will be calculated by taking the daily number of unique users who log into your games and averaging them across that month. That means if you have 500 unique users log into your games every day, parentheses, they do not need to be the same players, uh, you could receive $1,500 at the end of the month. If you average 1,000 users, you could receive 3,000. If you average 10,000, you get the idea. We chose this system because we want creators to be unified in the mission of making fun games and bringing new players to core. You don't need to manage subscriptions or design a vast catalog of microtransactions. Instead, the only thing you need to focus on is making great games that attract and retain players. The more players you and your fellow creators bring in, the more money you could make. The Creator Payouts Pilot Program starts today with 100 spots, of which we have already invited nearly half. We chose the first group based on the games they've made and their dedication to the core platform. They include alpha testers from the earliest days of the closed alpha, spectacular contest winners, and impressive newcomers. We were so delighted by our first game dev boot camp class uh, that all 13 creators will be invited to participate. To participate in the program, uh, you must receive an invite and comply with the related terms. The best way to earn one of the limited spots is to make games on core that players enjoy. For full details about the program, you should go to coregames.com. So that was a lot there, Gary. Thank you for letting me get it out. I, I think at the beginning, too, if I didn't express it correctly enough or in the idea, Core is multiplayer dreams. It's on PC. You go there, you download the client, and then everything is up in the cloud or whatever. So you can, just like dreams, go in there and use stuff other people have made. You can create your own assets and put them up there with everything they've made. Then you make multiplayer games that all sorts of people can play. If you d- miss the kind of funny streams we did with them, remember there was like an overcooked clone in there where we were make it working in an Italian restaurant. There was the one where uh, you have to run to the different squares before they disappear in this colored thing, and they would put the name, they'd put, they'd say the color, they'd write the color, and then put it in a different color and brain fuck you we did there was a whole bunch of kind of funny levels like toilet toilet toads and johnny ace games and grabbler games that got made for it 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 was all really really cool and i think core in general is cool and the fact that just four months into existing in alpha they're already trying to figure out a payment scheme is also really cool gary yeah i don't know too much about this but on on paper it sounds good i think anything that 
um, allows for greater accessibility for people to, you know, dabble with making games and start on a track of, you know, learning about game development. Like not everyone's ready to jump right into Unity or Unreal Engine or, you know, that's high level shit. But like anything, anything like Dreams or Core, you know, that that lets you kind of like start to get your hands dirty and start to play around with concepts and start training your brain to think about like how to make a game. Um, I think could be positive. Now, everything that you just read is like the official PR line from the company. So, of course, it sounds very positive. I, I, I would not be able to render a judgment on it until I would want to speak to some actual developers and people that have actually worked with it to say, yeah, okay, but here, here are actually the pros and cons. Um, but on the on the surface, I, it it sounds it sounds like a good thing. You figure for me, I, I'm right there with you, right? Of like, yeah, I, I would be very fascinated to see uh, the people who like, and there's a core does have a dedicated, dedicated community because they made so much kind of funny stuff on top of the fa- best friends who went in there and did it. But I would be interested to talk to core game makers who go in there. And, yeah. What do you think about $3 per average daily player? Is that a good payout? Is that a bad payout? Now, of course, the counter argument to that is that's a great payout because people have already been playing my games and I was getting nothing for it. Like I was already here for the love of core. I was already here for the love of game making it. Uh, I, I don't, and I don't know. And again, like we did the sponsorship with them, but I don't know if when core launched one of their selling points to people coming in uh, and doing alpha stuff was that one day you could get paid off of this. It definitely never got mentioned when we were doing. Yeah. Stuff with it, so. I want, what, what, I, what I would want to read is like the Polygon or the Kotaku article or whatever that says like, we spoke to 20 independent developers yeah. about core. Here's what they all think of it and get some like unbiased views from, from the point of view of the people who are actually would, would be the customers for it. Oh yeah. No, hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. But like you said, like we both said, hey, th- that's them. The fact that they're already paying it forward to their creators is cool. That's a cool idea. Yeah. Uh, number four, and another cool idea. XCloud is helping devs with their work from home stuff. This is Alan Poor at the uh, Partner Group Program Manager for uh, Project XCloud. What I love most about gaming is its ability to bring people together. Whether playing with your family on the couch or a group of friends scattered throughout the world, gaming helps fulfill one of our most basic needs: connection with one another. With many of us self-isolating and working from home, this connection is more is even more important. Like many people, the Xbox and Project xCloud team has been adapting to the new work environment we find ourselves in. Uh, we are having to change how we communicate, collaborate, and connect with one another to maintain the inclusive environment we have worked hard to build. The same is true with our developer communities, and we know firsthand the challenges that working from home presents. Specifically, many developers are unable to access their develop- Xbox development kits. By not having access to their usual tools, game developers, artists, and designers may not be able to maintain uh, the rapid iteration cycles needed to turn out new content for games. Many of the traditional Xbox remote access tools are designed to be used within an an office environment. Bringing developer kits home is often not an option for activities like playtesting and gameplay tuning, which require high frame rates and minimal latency. We've set our... I'm sorry, we set out to solve these remote access challenges by reallocating our Project xCloud resources, going beyond mobile and creating a PC app experience for developers that runs a low latency 60 frames per second gaming experience that allows for continued game development. By giving developers access to our PC content test application, uh, they can remotely connect to their Xbox development kits from their PC, allowing them to test, play, iterate as if they were in the office. It also prevents them from having to download daily builds to local hardware in their home, which can often take hours. To date, developers across many of the biggest gaming studios have used PC CTA to significantly improve their remote working environment. 
Uh, we have received great feedback on the overall quality from those within the Xbox Game Studios, as well as several of our third-party partners, including IDOS Montreal, Infinity Ward, Ninja Theory, Playground Games, Rare, Turn 10 Studios, and Undead Labs. Gary, they go on to quote some of the developers and some of the heads of the studios talking about how xCloud worked here. Uh, it's not even that big of a discussion point. I think it's cool, and I know we had talked uh, earlier in this year, this pandemic, about Stadia doing something similar. It's cool yeah. to see xCloud, as uh, you know, Alan says here, diverted resources and changed it around to build an app just for this that lets them you know, get to the Xbox uh, development kits at, home, or at work so they can play at home. Or work yeah. I think that's great. I mean, like, I, I, it's too early to say, but you know, given given that Stadia kind of faltered uh, out of the gate, I think XCloud, uh, based on the experience that people have been man. having with with the beta, suggests that they they are best positioned to kind of really you know be the market leader in you know the cloud streaming gaming stuff. Uh, remains to be seen, but I I I think they're gonna. I, my prediction <laughs> i predicted the same thing about stadia so what the fuck do i know my my prediction is that they will get this right and it'll be it it, it will be good um and it already is good. good right but i mean like once it's actually out there and I, I don't like doing alphas and betas and stuff like that i usually like want to wait for the product to be released in a finished state not that that ever happens anymore like nothing's ever fucking released <laughs> in even the 1.0 is our betas nowadays did you see the thing about Crucible going back into beta? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh my god! So it's like you know, it's it's, it's yeah, things are going backwards now. But I guess I, I guess that you know, if X Cloud also means not just playing games in the cloud, but also being able to develop games in the cloud, especially during the lock, because the lockdown's not going away anytime soon. We're gonna we're gonna be stuck in our houses. My guess is for like another year at least. And you know, so people, we need to start coming up with long term that this is going to be the new normal for a while now like the white house is saying yeah we can't live be bothered to ju just just fucking live with it yeah you're just yeah there's just a killer virus now sorry can't do anything about it we tried nothing and it didn't work so again we're all out of ideas <laughs> so we're all so we're all fucked and we are going to have to live with it for at least for 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 a lot in the medium to long term and so we're going to have to come up with you know get used to looking at our faces on zoom get used to working from home get used to developing games in the cloud because our government is fucking useless and we're going to have to just try and make the best of the mess that they've fucking left us all with. Yep. And so, yeah, it's cool to see Xbox work on that and try to figure this out and stay to that thing, even though it sounds like X, uh, Xbox is a little bit forthcoming with what's going on. But I digress, and I'm very excited for xCloud, and I hope they talk about it at their event here. Uh, number five on the Roper Report, and final story for the day, uh, just a short one. Uh, the top PSN downloads for June have been posted, and shocking no one, The Last of Us Part Two is in the number one spot. Uh, other highlights include that The Last of Us Remastered was at number six, uh, then Minecraft Dungeons at number eight, Uno at number nine. Of course, there's been a bunch of different sales. And then for Barrett Courtney, number 14, SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated coming in at number What was that, number six? Number six was The Last of Us Remastered, the first one. Oh, right, yeah, because that's obviously, you know, that motivated a yeah. bit of resurgence yeah. now, yeah. Over on the PSVR front, though, number one was Gorn. Number three, The Walking Dead, Saints and Sinners. Of course, it's interesting to see that thing get shaken up because it happens so rarely, but... Still haven't tried that in VR. I gotta give Walking that a Dead? try. Yeah. Gorn. Yeah, yeah. I, I started it one day, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is actually cool, and then got sidetracked by reviews and haven't, haven't circled back to it, so I need to once this Ghost of Tsushima business is over gary hmm. i'm excited to get back to the walking dead saints and sinners and see what happens next on playstation vr but that's going to be so far away if i wanted something more immediate say what came to the mom and grop shops where would i go the official list of upcoming software on each and every platform 
as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily show hosts each and every weekday. How close was I that time? Yeah. Real close, real close. I think you're right on top of it. Uh, before I give you the list, though, Gary, let me tell you about yes. our sponsors. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you can write in and be part of the show, patreon.com slash games, where you can get the show ad-free. And speaking of ads, Greg Way, this episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily is brought to you by Quip. Let's talk about brushing our teeth. 75% of us use old, worn-out bristles that are ineffective. And even more people forget to floss daily. Not me, not Tim, not most of Kind of Funny, because we all use Quip. If you didn't know, Quip's this amazing toothbrush. It, they send it to you, you sign up, and then every three months they send you new brush heads, they send you new floss, they send you a new battery, and you pop it in there. That's cool because first off, you're cycling your brush and you're not getting these worn out bristles that seventy uh, bristles that seventy five percent of you are using and, and not having a good time with. Uh, it's more cool though is that you should be brushing for two minutes every day. If you didn't know this, you're like me before I got it because you think you're brushing for two minutes every day and then you get quip. And what Quip does is it you put it in and it starts going. And then you do it in quadrants. You do 30 seconds up here, 30 seconds down here, 30 seconds over here, 30 seconds over here. It, it, it's, it, you know, it vibrates, so you know, and then you stop vibrating so you know to move. But here's the thing. Two minutes is a lot longer than you think it is. Turns out that's a lot, lot longer than you think it is. So Quip actually helped me brush my teeth better, let alone the fact that I'm getting these bristles uh, that are better, let alone that I'm getting the floss, let alone that I'm being uh, recommended everything. It's all working out perfectly, and that's how you should do it. Uh, of course, you mean you pair with Quip's activity? Quip brush head, toothpaste, and floss refills are automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5 each. A friendly reminder when it's time to refresh and stay committed to your oral health. And of course, shipping is free. Uh, if you go to getquip.com slash games right now, you'll get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash games. Uh, that is getquip.com slash games. Quip, the good habits company. Uh, up next is Klarna. That's right. It's a weird name. Thanks to Klarna for supporting Kind of Funny Games Daily. In Sweden, they don't shop, they Klarna. Klarna is a revolutionary new online shopping app for Sweden that allows you to shop thousands of online stores and pay for anything in four easy, interest-free payments that make shopping smoother. With the Klarna app, you can shop anywhere online from just one app. It's easy to use and convenient to browse thousands of online stores from one convenient place. Pay for anything in four free I'm sorry, for interest-free payments. Paying after delivery allows you to try before you buy, and you can also report returns directly in the app. Get the best deals with customized price drop alerts and, I'm sorry, on items you've saved uh, to your wish list. It's always good to shop smarter and save money. Uh, Tim loves how easy it is to find what you're looking for and get set up. If you didn't know, Tim is our deals guy. There's something that he was, he was ahead of the game on Honey. He's ahead of the game on Klarna. That's what uh, Tim is going to save a buck wherever he came. Klarna is a smoother, friendlier, Swedisher way to shop. It's the one-stop shopping app for browsing and buying anything online, all in one app and allows you to pay for anything in four easy, interest-free payments. Download the Klarna app today. That's Klarna, K-L-A-R-N-A, Swedish for shopping. And then our final sponsor today is Hims. Uh, 66% of men start to lose their hair by the age 35. And once you start to notice it's thinning, it can be too late. You've heard us talk about Hims uh, forever because Hims has been great to us forever. Uh, when they first showed up, uh, Nick and Andy started using it and they both swear by it and use it to this day long after whatever deal they got for it uh, was part of it. Of course, forhims.com is your one-stop shop for skincare, 
uh, hair loss supplements and uh, erectile dysfunction stuff. Uh, it's built mainly around the idea that they know most of us don't want to go to the doctor and have awkward conversations in person and have to wait in a waiting room and make and you gotta whisper on the phone when you book the thing. Instead, forhims.com connects you to doctors online, discreetly, professionally. You don't have to worry about it. Uh, you go to the site, you sign up. They see if you're right for it. They get you to a doctor. Doctor sees if you're right for it. And if they agree you are right for it, they can prescribe you FDA-approved products to help treat hair loss. These are prescription solutions backed by science. Um, today, Hims is giving you their best offer yet. If you're not happy with your results after 90 days, Hims will give you a full refund. And right now, my listeners can get their first visit absolutely free. Go to forhims.com slash games daily. That's forhims.com slash games daily. Uh, full refund of the price paid available for the first 60, 90 days supplies. Refund requests must be made 90 to, and 180 days after the product uh, shipment delivered. Prescription products will require an online consultation with a medical professional who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. Restriction supply, you have to see the website for full details. So make sure you go forhims.com slash games daily. Gary, go out today. Robozaro, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch. Vigor, Switch. Contract Killers, PC. Bananas, Academies, Cyber, PC and Mac. And then I, this isn't today. This is from yesterday, but I think it slipped by uh, yesterday's uh, Roper report and everything else. PS Now is adding Watch Dogs 2, Street Fighter 5, and Hello Neighbor uh, to PlayStation Now. You can go get that right now on PlayStation Now. Then new dates for you. Monsieur Paf is going to be released on July 29th on Steam and other platforms for $14.99. Uh, Dark Pictures Anthology Little Hope is releasing October 30th, which is a great fucking release date for a, a Dark Pictures Anthology installment. And then WWE 2K Battlegrounds will launch on PC, Nintendo Switch, Xbox One, PS4, and Stadia on September 18th. Game does not look good, but they have put out a new trailer with a whole bunch of wrestlers, and you got Andre the Giant in there, and Yokozuna and stuff, so that's neat. Uh, deals of the day for you. For a limited time, from July 7th through the 13th, you can pick up some of the best co-op and versus games on Xbox One and the Microsoft Store at great discounts. Uh, they're having a co-op sale. You can go, uh, like it says, Xbox One, get games like uh, Borderlands, The Handsome Collection, Overcooked, and more for a deal. Uh, July 7th through the 13th. Mr. Witta. Contract Killers looks good, by the way. I just uh, pulled the trailer for that on Steam. Kind of looks like a hotline miami kind of thing but like oh, more, really? slightly more 3d like like a slightly kind of isometric perspective but yeah sure. it looks like look, that looks like it could be fun huh okay okay i like what you're doing there um in the reader mail section of course you can write in patreon.com slash kind of funny games just like gondor's condor did gondor's condor writes in and says greetings greg and gary when reviewing any game how much do you talk to other critics about the game why do you talk to them and how does it affect your impressions of the game Thanks for all you do. Stay safe during these turbulent times. Mr. Wood, uh, you don't consider yourself a video game reviewer anymore, right? You still get stuff no, ahead of you. No, not for many years, no. Do you, like right now, I, how do you, I, I get you codes for games a lot of times, right? But like you obviously are in a different boat of doing this show, uh, doing uh, animal talking, uh, doing, you know, your streams and whatnot. Do you prioritize like the new hotness that you got to get on and play or do you just let the games get, you get to the game when you get to the game? No, my I, I get to it when I get to it. I play what I feel like when I feel like it. That's one of the nice luxuries of just being a consumer. I, I kind of get the best of both worlds. I get a lot of codes and a lot of freebies because I'm like someone that people know and I'm in still kind of in the industry, but I don't have any obligation to play or, 
you know well i mean I, I i do still kind of feel like a bit of an obligation not because i feel like i people are waiting for me to weigh in no one gives a shit what i think but like with the last of us part two i felt like i want we wanted to play that right away just because like the spoilers are so sure, thick sure. in the air supply right now that the only way to protect yourself the only way to immunize yourself is to fucking play the game um gotta be, gotta be and so but then once we started playing it it really got its claws into us and we we played it almost every night Sure. until we were done and then it becomes one of those things like when you play a game that you really like and you have a lot of thoughts about like you want to talk to people about it like i i haven't done it yet but i i thought about doing a stream um that was just me talking about my thoughts on the game or maybe i get leah involved or maybe i get someone else that played the game that wants to talk about it. because it's one of those things like once you've seen something that you thought was really interesting and impressive or whatever left a mark on you you want to share your thoughts with someone else and that's why those these post-mortem videos where people are doing spoiler casts and stuff are, um, you know, they're very popular. Like once you've, once you've experienced something, you want to hear what other people think. The problem with the last of us in particular is that a lot of the discourse has been so toxic and fucking misguided that, nah, it, that I, the I, beginning. I, I, I don't want to engage with a lot of it because I, 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 those opinions, I think there is a lot of valid reasons to either like or dislike the last of us part two but there's also a lot of completely fucking invalid reasons where the issue is not with the game but with the audience and well, certain, now that, segments, certain segments of the audience with the exception of like i think social media where like neil and laura had to share all the horrible shit that was being said to them i think yeah. you can go online and find plenty of discourse like you're talking about where there are the spoiler casts that we've done there's the reviews we've done our reviews very positive but you can go find educated metered people of like i don't like oh, this game sure. or i don't think it's sure. a 10 because of this i think it's gotten yeah and, and again i'm not saying that i you know i my my thoughts on the game i i, I spoke to to uh Druckmann, i you know i spoke to him briefly Druckmann. after i played the game and i said yeah. like, here are my thoughts and it was like 90 percent positive there like there's a few like again as a as a writer i can't you know especially as a storyteller like i'm looking at the story aspects of the game and saying what do I think about this? What might I have done differently? And like this very, I, I mean, I was really pleased with it. You know, it's it's a game that, and again, this is why I think certain segments of the audience, like the, the kind of people that just want to fucking bash their action figures together and go, like yeah. that's the storytelling that they're looking for. The Last of Us is not going to give that to you. It's a much more challenging story. It's meant to make mm -hmm. you uncomfortable. It's not, yeah. you're not meant to be happy about everything that happens in the game. And I, I honestly wonder sometimes if video gaming is not yet mature enough as a medium or as an audience that we can do really kind of mature, complicated, difficult, challenging storytelling, the kind of which The Last of Us Part Two is doing without aggravating the, the, the immature segment the fan of, base. of the audience. Yeah, like there are certain fans that are basically just big fucking babies and they don't like it when things don't go the way they want it to. And that's why you're seeing some of the abuse and why some of the some of the people out there are kind of throwing their toys out of the pram and going, wow, this isn't what I wanted it to be. And again, there are really, really valid reasons, uh, and I've heard some of them, to not like the storytelling choices that are in, in The Last of Us Part 2. I get that. I agree with some of them. I think for the most part, it's terrific. I think it's a triumph of, of storytelling in many ways. And again, I'd go into it in a lot more detail if I did like a, a whole thing on it. Sure. Um, but you know, I, I, I found I found some of the um, complaints about certain creative choices that were made in the game really, really depressing. And it made me realize that we still have a long way to go, not just as the makers of games, but as the consumers of games. Sure. Uh, a, lo a lot of us are still big fucking babies. Sure. But I think that's why this game is so important. Like you're, you're, you know, you're hitting the same conversation we've had on multiple PSI Love Views and spoiler cast and everything else. Is that I think you need this game to push those boundaries so players get shaken up and we have this conversation of like, well, wait a second, what the fuck is a game? 
like a game doesn't need yet yeah, a cow tie to you and be fan service and do this whole thing it can it's the creator talking to you in the same way a book does or a show does or whatever it's it we're even though we have control in that world it's still not our world we are in I, there, a was world a, there was a, there was a, there was a guy on twitter that i spoke to because i posted like a two tweet review of it basically because i didn't want to get into a whole like, thing it like, sucks look, i'm gary uh, buy my book <laughs> <laughs> here are my thoughts on the game and it was like universally positive like i honestly think it, what they did with that game is ter- it was terrific and daring and i and i didn't like everything that happened in the game but i'm not supposed to like the yeah. games it's a fucking shakespearean tragedy you know it's you know it's it's not you, you know the, the happy endings are not baked into this world in fact it's the opposite like the world is a fucking callously indifferent place and that's what the last of us i think is is telling us i don't generally like games that 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 focus on like the negative aspects of humanity like what like what's the worst that people can become i think if you're going to talk about that you should also highlight what you know what what's the best that people can become because you see the best and worst of people in this i I think last of us does kind of balance that i might have done it slightly differently but i think they do basically do a good job of of balancing that um, but I saw one person and, and he was perfect. He wasn't like one of these like anti SJW type idiots or whatever. He was just like, oh, I didn't like it because when I play video games, I play them to escape and I just want my heroes and villains to be really clear cut. Here's yeah. the good guy. Here's the bad guy. And they again, bash my action figures together. And, and I, I thought that's a valid viewpoint, but to which my response is like, great, go play 95% of all the other video games exactly. in the fucking world. Exactly. This is, this is something else. It's like going into a movie and being mad that you watch a detective movie when there's an action movie next door and there's a cartoon next door to that. Like, yeah, people, that's the thing about The Last of Us right now. And I'm right there with you that, yeah, I under, I totally understand the uh, arguments for it that are the, hey, I don't like it because X, Y, and Z. And here's, here's criticism. And here's what I didn't think. And this story choice didn't make sense. And blah, blah, blah. I get that kind of argument. And I, I want to engage with those and see those arguments and see that point of view. But yeah, the ones who are just like, yeah, this isn't how any this character would act. This isn't like, well, you don't own that character. That's what's going on. And again, we've talked this death. Uh, back to Gondor Condor's question. Um, for me personally, as somebody who still reviews video games, how much do you talk to other critics before you about a game? And this is during the review process. And why do you talk about them? And how do you feel that inf- affects your impression of the game? Uh, the answer, Gondor, is different depending on everyone you talk to in every game you talk about where you've seen it on our kind of funny games cast reviews i think in the past no i know in the past where we sit down and we're all like we're so excited to talk because we haven't talked to each other or anyone about this like this is the first time we got the code in hot we're all going to talk here we're all going to share opinions we're all going to talk there um then it will be the other thing for depending on what game you have and how long a game is and also where you work and how you work like obviously when i was at IGN reviewing a game if multiple copies were out there and other people were playing we'd come back in and have those conversations and I think even now you know give or take what game we're talking about I think Last of Us is a good example right where you know that game it was out early for reviewers we all had it and so then there were a lot of conversations between us internally at Kind of Funny where it would normally be you know Tim's I, I finished first right so then Tim would update me on where he was I'm like all right cool let me know what you think eventually and like give, he would give me the little bit moment to moment update of it then there would be the other thing where you're talking to someone else another reviewer in the in the industry or this is me personally and you'd be having a conversation about something else and then it would be also you playing last of us yeah where yeah okay here's where I'm at oh but what do you think oh I love it oh I don't like it because of this okay interesting it, it, it's rare that I think you at least for me it's rare to have any kind of substantive conversation, not in person. I think text can go so far, but even text is 
here's my argument, whether it's pro or con, here's their argument, pro or con. And it's like that. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, talking about a review ahead of time, personally, I haven't, I can't think of a time I've, that's changed my opinion of talking to somebody else. It might give me more context to like, where I'm like, this just isn't fun. I hate this. And you talk to somebody else and like, no, I really like it because X, Y, and Z. And that gives me the, the color of like, okay, cool. It's not for me, but I understand why somebody who would enjoy this would enjoy it. But I've never been like, I hate this game. And somebody's like, well, actually I love this game. And I'm like, you know what? I do love this game. I've had it where I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this game. And so I talk it out with somebody and I do that thing, the Greg thing where I ramble for 30 minutes. And then I'm like, you know what? I guess I love this game. Fuck. I didn't realize that, but it's hit or miss. It's, you know, give and take. I think the, with the nature of video games being the way they are in spoilers for mo- most of the big games you're talking about, right? Like it's more, Hey, where are you at? Like, you know, like, uh, you know, Luce is playing ghost of Tsushima too. Right. And so, and uh, so is Kevin and, and uh, so is a bunch of other people. And so you have these conversations that are like, where are you at? Okay, cool. And, you know, okay. And like last of us, like I would turn it on and be like, all right, Lucy, you need to leave the room. Like, I know you're not here. She's like, okay, cool. And she would go like, it's hit or miss, but it does. The reason you talk to other people, so I don't think it affects uh, your impression of the game. It might give your review more context um, into the question of uh, why do you talk to them? I think it's the fact of you need to start assembling your argument because I think of reviews as like, you know, their opinion pieces, their arguments. What are you trying to say here? You're trying to assemble your argument or your review. And you do. I personally do that up here a long time before I start talking about it. Like last night was a great example of it. You know, Jen and I at, at the end of the workday went for a walk on the beach and it was that she was talking about her day. And then she's like, oh, yeah, I saw you played a lot of ghosts today. Like, what's going on with it? And it was like, you know, they just, she like pulled the cork out of me. And I just like for like an entire walk to the end of Ocean Beach, <laughs> I was just like ranting and raving about this or that or that and like giving my opinions and formulating the thought for what will eventually become my review. So that's why you talk to people, because. Yeah, I think I think the, I think the sign of a good piece of art, the sign of good writing is that desire that you have. Like, I mean, when we finished The Last of Us Part Two, like the first thing that I thought was like, I, I, I can't wait to talk to people about this because I really want to share my thoughts on it and see if my perspective on certain things is was was shared by others. I ended mm-hmm. up having a, a, a talk with a, a filmmaker friend of mine who also loved the game. And in talk, we, we didn't disagree on a point, but he had a particular take on something. It was like, oh shit, I never thought about it like that. Exactly. But, yeah, but yeah. that's really interesting. And now I th- maybe I think that too. And so having those, I, and, and, and in a Twitter discussion, like there was some people, I, again, I, as soon as they put up that Last of Us tweet, I'm like, RIP my mentions. I get it. People are going to weigh in. <laughs> and many agreed with me, many didn't. That's fine. And, and I ended up you know, saying to somebody on Twitter, the fact that you see that that you can't agree on this and that you see it one way and someone else sees it another is a sign of good writing because it's it's cool it, you know yeah. it's it's yeah. you know, everybody brings to something every everyone takes from a piece of art what they bring to it right yep. everything is colored through the filter of your own life experience your own thoughts your own feelings your own prejudices and if everyone comes away from a piece of art thinking the same thing um or think or thinking like yeah that was okay or that was all right then you failed i would much rather and this is was kind of the case with, with something like the book of eli have like polarize everyone and have yep. and have people that really love it and really don't like it because like you you know good or bad you want people to have a strong reaction to something yep. and and i think the last of us did the like everyone like no, no one walked away from the last of us i mean sure some people I did, have but, no but for the most part no, nobody walked away going like yeah it was all right like you either really like it or really dislike it. And yeah. I think the vast majority of people really, I think, you know, the, the vocal minority that 
that really dislike it have been very, very vocal. Again, you're much more likely to go on the internet to complain about something than you are to praise something. So I think there's already kind of like a bias in there that kind of weights the sample in favor of people that dislike something. Um, but no, I, 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 I thought the discussion around it has been fascinating. And like, I still want to talk, like, I would love to have like an in-depth conversation, like particularly there's like three or four things and maybe we can do it offline or on another thing sometime where I, I would want to like have a, like a real in-depth discussion with you about the last of oh, us yeah. and what we, what we thought about it. Because again, it's thought, literally it's thought provoking. And that is, I think one of the, one of the highest ideals you know you want people to have different emotional reactions you want people to viscerally love it or hate it like the game is absolutely engineered to do that yes just like in a movie like uncut gems characters make choices in the last of us that make that like, you're shouting at the screen go no what the fuck are you doing but yeah. like that's great you want the audience to have that kind of reaction the thing i hate the most with a any piece of media but video games especially because there's such a commitment in terms of hours or whatever and it, this is as a reviewer and a consumer is when i finish a game and it's like Meh. all right you know yeah. what I mean? Eh, like, okay. Like, yeah, those are the hardest reviews to write when you're like, it's fine. Like, it's a game. Like, yeah, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. It exists. Like, that sucks to write and it sucks to talk about and it sucks when you play a game because obviously every game I play, I want it to be awesome and I want to be a huge success for the developers and you play something you're like, nah, like I didn't, this just didn't go the way I wanted it to go. Gary. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's time to squat up. This right. is where one of you watching or listening writes into patreon.com slash kind of funny games. Give me your name, username, platform of choice and why you need a help. No need help in a video game. Uh, I already hear the best friends come and find you and help you. Uh, however, today's a bit different uh, today uh, over on Twitter. Right. I was doing my little thing. I was eating my breakfast looking around here and Billy the door tweeted me and said, hey, at Game Over Greggy, at Gary Witta, at Kind of Funny Vids. Can we get this as the squad up for today? And I rolled up, and what did I see? It's Steven from Able Gamers on a bit of a Twitter thread that I'm going to read to you. So again, we all love Steven, uh, Able Gamers. You know him well. Uh, he was a We Have Cool Friend. Go check it out, Kind of Funny, or YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny. Hey, Twitch. And this is obviously all tagged and, you know, links and everything else, but I, it makes sense. Hey, Twitch, uh, reminder that you promised to look into making disa a disabled tag a year ago. As I listen to my friend, uh, uh, Gregory Negory uh, X, Negory X, uh, as I listen to my friend, Negory X, uh, raid and make good friends with small LGBT tagged streamers, I'm reminded disabled gamers uh, don't have this opportunity because you won't let us tag ourselves. So what he's talking about is on Twitch, you can tag your stream uh, LGBT. And his friend here went over there, raided one of them, found him that way, found a new friend group, a new group to talk to, right? Uh, Steven is asking to be able to go in there and tag disabled so you could find disabled gamers. Let me be clear. I've spoken to Twitch. It's not a matter of getting their attention. I have contacts there. For, for a year, uh, they've been saying they're not doing it because it, uh, it, it would let people target us for harassment. That's a bad reason. I'm hoping social pressure will change their mind. Please click on the link below and submit the idea for disabled as a tag. Uh, then retweet this tweet. Ask your favorite streamer to do the same. Let's show Twitch disabled people need proper representation. Special thanks to Stacy of Gotham for alerting me to this form. And so the idea is there's a Google form you can click on. You go there and it's just literally, what do you want? What's your suggestion for a tag? Why do you think it needs to be done? I clicked it. I put in disabled. Why? Representation matters, obviously. I think the fact that uh, more, I think we think so much about uh, gaming from what we know. And it's something I've talked about a lot in the shows. I've talked on Steve uh, on Stevens. We have cool friends about it. There's all these different things of if you don't know 
a disabled gamer and luckily through steven and able gamers uh, i think we all can say we know someone now uh i don't think you understand or see the struggles of how it is to game you don't understand the accessibility options that are in a game that for the longest time i was like oh, okay you need the text bigger because your eyes are sore no you need the text bigger or uh quick time event skipped or uh, an easy mode to the game easy mode in quotes as well not because you are tired that day it's because some people can't play games without those uh, uh accessibility options and I obviously you know our, our friend uh blind blind gamer blind gamer steve uh steve the blind gamer has been so instrumental and so uh, making the rounds for last of us and their incredible accessibility options uh i think all that needs to be elevated more and i do think the disabled tag makes a lot of sense and steven's doing it the right way i think being very respectful and just rallying the troops of like no this does matter and it's not going to be used it i'm sure some asshole is going to use it to target people in reality it will be used instead to actually find cool gamers and find new voices and make everyone understand this and so the link ladies and gentlemen obviously is a google link it's very long it doesn't make any sense so instead i went over to the old kind of funny.com and made kind of funny.com slash steven s-t-e-v-e-n kind of funny.com slash steven if you click on that it will take you directly to the twitch suggest a tag thing again just put in disabled in the first field put in representation matters in the second field and you are good to go to help steven and every disabled gamer have a chance to be on twitch because you know gary obviously I love watching you and your journey on Twitch, the way you've fallen in love with Twitch and obviously how it went from being simple streams to being this big old produced show. But the thing you do that I don't think we ever talked about in shows, but that I love so much is that you're lucky, just like I'm lucky to have an audience, right? And so every weekend and often during the day as well, but definitely on the weekend, you seem to stream, finish your stream, and then find someone who's a small streamer and send your audience there. And you'll you'll usually text me while I'm out hiking with Jen and ask me to retweet that stream. That's There's this streamer doing it. And you're like, they're super small and they're freaking out because that is a joy we know so well, us in the kind of funny audience, like right now being able to open the stream here and see all the chat there and see everybody who's there. That's incredible. And so many people don't get that. And so many, and then to go from like just people who are, whether they're, just people who are starting on Twitch and don't have it, whether they're a person of color and don't understand it, whether they just feel like a marginalized group and don't do it. I definitely personally, and this is my own failing probably, haven't watched that many disabled gamers stream. Like I've seen Steven's stuff, but I haven't seen a bunch of it, right? And I would love to know more gamers like that. And I would love to know more things. And I think it's all about sharing that and, and discoverability, right, Gary? Yeah, I, I, um, I've never ended a, a stream without raiding. It just seems like a waste to like scatter your followers to the, your audience to the four winds instead of sending yeah. them on to someone else that you think might benefit from having a spotlight on them. Um, we do it at the end of every animal talking when we have a big audience. We always raid someone. Um, and uh, I think that you know that's just a nice thing. It's like a mitzvah you can do for someone else. This is going to sound really, really sanctimonious. I, it, it's true. As I get older, I don't know what's happened, but like I find it harder to find happiness by doing things for myself. Like I might treat, I'll do a bit of retail therapy, buy myself something or treat myself, practice some self-care. Like that increasingly doesn't make me happy. The sure. only way that I ex can experience happiness these days is like by doing nice things for other people and making them happy. And that in turn makes me happy to see how happy, you know, they are. And rating people is in, in a nice and, and, and drawing attention to streams that wouldn't otherwise get a big audience um, is, is one of those things. And I think that if you are going to do that, then yeah, it does behoove you to help uh, put a spotlight on streamers who face 
greater than the usual channel. Like everyone, it's a challenge for everyone to build up an audience, but it's more difficult for some than for others. If you are disabled, if you um, have a you know non-typical gender identity, if you are of a particular ethnicity, you might face a, a additional uh, challenges in finding an audience and dealing with trolls than you are you are you are you or I uh, might you know we're middle aged white dudes like we 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 fucking have it easier than anyone. A lot of people out there have all the all the challenges that we do uh, in building an audience, plus like all this other bullshit as well. So any way that you can help um, those those less privileged uh, classes or groups. I think you know it's a we, we it's a responsibility for all of us to do that. I just retweeted Stephen's thing. I filled out the form. It's shocking to me that Twitch don't already have that as a tag. Yeah, and I don't yeah. understand their reasoning either. Well, it might attract trolls. Well, you have an LGBT tag. What the fuck do you think that does? Like, also, you know, stop trolls. Yeah, <laughs> like, let's, yeah. Let's, let's not lock people. Out. Let's not lock the good people out. Let's let the good yeah. people in. It's like saying, oh well, we can't keep the shitheads yeah. out. Sorry, you you can't come to the restaurant because there's a lot of rats. Well, get rid of the fucking rats. <laughs> Don't just let the rats win. Well said. Well said. Yeah. Uh, time to check in on your wrong. This is where people are watching live go to twitch.tv. No, they go to kindoffunny.com/slash. You're wrong. They see and tell us what we screwed up uh nobody said we, there's not, nothing here there are a bunch of jokes they've been eliminated it's fine good job everybody um tomorrow your host is going to be wait it's wednesday fuck oh, so, so, so tomorrow it's me and blessing friday it's blessing and me i said fuck because i thought it was deeper in the week but it's widow wednesday it's just it, time's lost all meaning gary you know yeah we you know it, it's all just one endless stretch of fucking reality at this point without end just all waiting for the sweet embrace of death on that uplifting note, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a post show to do. Patreon.com slash kind of funny games. Remember, don't forget, uh, don't forget tonight, 7 p.m., a new all new animal talking. Who's on? Twitch twitch.tv slash uh, Gary Witter. Uh Simu Liu, the next big, you know, the, the, oh, the Marvel's future that's huge. Great job. Uh, Shang Chi will be on the channel yeah. uh, with it. Uh Shannon Woodward, Dina from The Last of Us oh. Part Two, uh, will be on there. And we're gonna have uh, musical guest Sean Wasabi will also be on the show. So that's we've a, got a good we've got a, we've got a Good one tonight, 7 p.m. Pacific, twitch.tv slash Gary Witter. All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, like I said, post show, patreon.com slash kind of funny games. Of course, ad free over there as well. You can watch, you're watching live on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games. You can watch later on youtube.com slash kind of funny games. You can listen on podcast services around the globe. But until next time, no, it's been our pleasure to serve you.